Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of a Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Only a very short reading, but we're actually only going to—we're not going to cover it all today. It's um, there's a lot in that. Um, now I don't know if people who go on holidays more often than what we do ever solve this problem, or whether they just have that same problem more often. But one of the most stressful times that Robin and I have is not being on holidays, but going on holidays. Because uh, we look forward all year to, to the break that we're going to have, and Robin likes to go to the coast, so I go along with her. Um, we go there for a week or two, and, and, um, but there's so much we have to organise before we go. And so, like, I've got organised preachers for when I'm away, and Robin has to organise people... Oh, sorry, I organise people to set up church, and she organises people to lead worship and play music and teach Bush Kids Sunday School, and... And then there's, of course, stuff she has to line up for her own job and stuff. And then we've got to remember what we're going to take with us on holidays. I don't know, we just seem to need a bigger car, probably to take a trailer always. Or you might need this and you might need this because you don't want to have to buy one of those while you're on holidays because you already got one. And uh, it just goes on and on. And, of course, you get all stressed out because you think you might have forgotten something. And on the morning that we actually leave, the stress runs high and Robin gets cranky. If you ask Robin, she'd probably say that Michael gets cranky. I'm not sure if that's true. But, but why would we get cranky? We're going on holidays, for goodness sake. And the problem is we lose perspective and we focus on the immediate demands that's hitting us and, and we lose perspective of the joy that we're entering into. I don't think there'd ever be any that sort of stress at your place, Ken, would there? No, no. Now... Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about taking off self and putting on Christ. And it's been about, it's not a wishful thinking, this, this thing. And, and it's not only a possibility, this is a reality that we have as Christians of living a transformed life because Christ has taken up residence in our hearts. That's what makes it possible. And sometimes we might get so focused on the day-to-day -day stuff and ooh, doing the right thing and not doing the wrong thing and maintaining the right behaviour, and we get so focused on that, we lose the perspective of why this transformation exists in the first place, our relationship with Christ. And, and sometimes we get so focused on what we should be doing instead of focusing on Christ and loving being with him. Um, having an intimate relationship with Christ isn't only evidenced by our change in attitude and our change in behaviour. Our, our intimate relationship with Christ flourishes in prayer. Um, now, when it comes to prayer, some folk have a real gift of intercession. You probably know people like that. They, they just, they're the sorts of people who just pray and pray and pray 
And, and that when they pray, it always just hits the right spot, right? They always know exactly the right thing to pray for. Now, I don't have that gift. Uh, but even though I don't have that gift, I know that, that prayer in my life, as is prayer in every Christian's life, is critical. Uh, even for me as a pastor, sometimes my focus gets so much on what I'm trying to get done that prayer gets forgotten. How stupid am I? Uh, apparently when Martin Luther was asked by a friend what his plans were for the following day, he said, work. Work from early until late. In fact, I've got so much to do tomorrow that I'm going to spend the first three hours in prayer. <laughs> now, that to me sounds like a bloke who had his relationship with God in perspective. The relationship is critical. And for those of you who are married, you know very much how the relationship is critical. So like when it comes to being married, I can keep the car mechanically sound and I can keep the lawn mown and I can keep the hedges nicely trimmed. Uh, not at the moment, but sometimes. But, so I can sort of keep, get all these husbandly duties done, but I'm pretty sure that Robin, above all of that, would rather have a husband who talks to her. Um, what kind of a marriage relationship is it if the husband and wife don't just delight in talking with one another, sharing what's happened in their day, sharing your hopes and dreams for the coming week, or sharing your experiences of God. And we get that, don't we? When it comes to a married couple, we know that a married couple needs to communicate to, to maintain this healthy relationship. How much more, then, should we, as disciples of Jesus, be a people who pray, and pray often? Now, today, Paul gives us four instructions on prayer. Firstly, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Now, in the Greek, the, the, the meaning is busy oneself with prayer. Be busily engaged in prayer. Be devoted to prayer. In other words, make prayer a priority. Uh, don't stop praying. It's sort of like what he says in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which is... The shortest verse in the Bible, by the way, there's, it's a tie. With, there's, there's one verse that says Jesus wept. Um, and there's a second verse, which is really short, which says pray without ceasing. Uh, in the Greek, though, it's only two words. So you'd be like pray ceaselessly, if you like. You know, some folk talk about the power of prayer as if the reason for us to be praying is to get more power, Right? I'm going to pray because I've got to do that to get more power. But as disciples of Jesus, I think the getting power bit isn't as important and shouldn't be our motivator for prayer. Our motivator for prayer should be the love we have for the Lord and that we just want to be sharing with him. And the power of prayer, well, that's a benefit that comes along with it. But our chief motivator should be because we just love being in communication with the Lord who loves us and to express the love that we have to him. To have an intimate, communicative relationship with the Lord. Secondly, he says, being watchful in prayer. I had a good think about this, and, and I, I want to share with you three aspects of watchfulness, which are all important. A, Watch to see what's going on in the world around you. 
Notice what's happening in the world, care about what's happening in the world, and then pray about what's happening in the world. Um, like a lot of my friends say to me, oh, I, I've stopped listening to the news. I don't listen to the news. I don't read the news. I, I just, it's just too depressing. I don't want to know what's happening in the world. But how can we be praying about what's happening in the world if we don't know about it? It's important. Notice what's happening in your own family, in your close family and in your extended family. Notice what's happening in your local community. Notice what's happening in the state. Notice what's happening in our nation and notice what's happening in the world and care about these things enough to pray for them. So we've got to remember that our Lord loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. He wants us to be praying for things that's happening wider than just ourselves. But even more importantly than this, something that I was taught a few years ago is, is to notice when we see God in action. All right, so let me give you a simple example. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. All right, so what that tells me is if a person is showing signs of interest in Jesus, if they're showing any signs of interest in Christianity or, or even if they're showing signs of interest in your faith and, and why you are a Christian, this is something they can't do on their own. This is the Holy Spirit of God drawing them, right? This is God at work. And what's important for us is to notice these things. Watch and notice when, when you can see that God is at work and immediately pray for that person and pray about how you can help that person to find Jesus. Now, that, that's just one example, but you can notice God at work in this world in all sorts of ways. And when you see God at work, pray about it. Pray about these things. Secondly, another form of watchfulness is being watchful for answers to prayer. Sometimes I don't think we take enough notice of the prayers that God has answered. We're too busy thinking about the prayers that we want him to answer and we don't spend enough time thanking him for the prayers that he has answered. Uh, I know some people like to write their prayers down in, their, in a book and they take the opportunity then months later to go back and read, oh, God answered that prayer. I'd forgotten I'd prayed for that. And God answered that one as well. And there's so many times when God has answered our prayers and we've no, never noticed and so we've never taken him time to taken time to give him thanks for these answers to prayer. But also, what does it do for your faith? When God answers your prayer and you notice that he's answered it, that just builds our faith something, doesn't it? Real good. But probably the most important form of watchfulness for us in our prayer life is the same watchfulness that, that we're continually being encouraged to have throughout the New Testament. And that's watching for the return of Jesus. Watchfulness, in watching for the return of Jesus, is about standing strong in our faith and being ready for when he returns and having our hearts and our minds focused on eternal spiritual things rather than temporary earthly things. It's about having our minds focused um, on, on our Heavenly Father's business instead of the things of the world. 
And so when we're focused and when we're being watchful for the return of Jesus and for the coming of Christ, our whole prayer life gets transformed. All of a sudden, when we're focusing on these things, all of a sudden, the things of this life, they just fade into insignificance as we think of the things that that are going to continue when Christ returns and the glory that he brings. And so our prayers will be quite different. Think of the prayer that that Jesus taught his disciples uh, in Matthew chapter 6. He said, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. So this is the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. It's a prayer that focuses on worship. It focuses on the coming kingdom. It focuses on the will of our heavenly father. It focuses on on the forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness that we receive of our sins, but also the forgiveness that we give to others when they've sinned against us. It focuses on living in holiness and on divine protection. In fact, the only earthly request in there is to pray for our daily bread, which is basically saying, Lord, just give me just enough to get by today. Just give me enough to sustain me for today. That's, that's all the earthly things I need. Because I'm going to be praying about about these things that are so much more important in your eternal plan and purpose. Now, sadly, a lot of books on prayer these days are about how we can get stuff. They might be about prayers for how I can get physical health. Or it might be about prayers for how I can get physical stuff. But when we pray, the Lord wants us to focus not on the physical stuff, but on his plans and on his purposes. And so, be watchful in prayer. Notice what's going on in the world and pray about these things, especially when we notice that God is at work. Watch for answers to prayer so that we can praise God in thanksgiving and and also let them increase our faith and be watchful for the return of Jesus. And our prayers will be focused on things of eternal value. Thirdly, pray with thanksgiving. Yep, we are to be watchful and alert when we're praying, but not with fear and anxiety. Faith leaves no room for fear and anxiety. The old saying is, fear knocked at the door, faith answered, there was no one there. Don't you get that? When we're filled with fear, if we answer that fear with faith, The fear can't remain. The fear will go. No matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what's going on in the world, we can pray with thanksgiving. Um, In the last, what is it, two years now, I've never seen Christians so fearful in their prayer life with things that are going on in the world. Um, We are not to be fearful. When we pray, pray with faith, and be filled with thanksgiving. We give thanks to the Lord for our Lord Jesus Christ. We give him thanks for for his love and sacrifice. We give him thanks for for the grace and the mercy that he's given us. 
And we, we give him thanks for, for the very calling that he's given us to be his holy disciples. I don't know why God would pick me. I wouldn't have. I'm, I give you thanks for that, Lord. It, and that's probably enough to be thankful for, but there's more. It's sort of like, but there's free set of steak knives as well. There's more. There's more. We can be thankful for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can be thankful for Christians who are upholding us in prayer. We can be thankful for the gospel that is going out into this world. There's just so much for us to be thankful for. And in all circumstances, we can give him thanks because we know that God is in control. Paul knew this very well, how to give thanks to the Lord. Even as he wrote this letter, he was chained up in prison. And yet right in the opening paragraphs of this letter, he gives thanks. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Now, giving thanks in prayer. We have so much to be thankful for. So let's do that. Let's pray with thanksgiving. Fourthly, pray for those who are preaching the gospel. Paul says... Pray also for us. You know, sometimes we can fall into the trap of, of feeling that you know, the ministers, the pastors, the missionaries, the evangelists, the church leaders, they're all, they've got it covered. They, they don't need me to be praying for them. Of course they do. Of course they do. We might be left feeling, I'm the one that needs prayer, right? I personally, each of you, we, we are the ones that need prayer. Well, yes, you do. But so do the leaders of the church, every bit as much. They need the prayers of the rest of the church. And, and I am so aware that I need you to be praying for me every day. Please pray for me and Robin every day. And, and there's a few things that Paul specifically asked prayer for. Firstly, that God may open to us a door for the word. Imagine that. Paul is chained up in prison as he's writing this letter. Now, what sort of door would you be praying to be opened if you were chained up in prison? But perhaps the, um, that the door of the prison might be opened for you. Well, that had happened once before for Paul. We were told that he and Silas, you can read about in Acts chapter 16, I think it is, um, Paul and Silas were in prison and they are praising God and singing songs of praise and this earthquake happens and the doors burst open. Paul had experienced that before and so he, he knew that he could be praying for the doors to open again but that's not the sort of doors he is praying for. See, Paul wasn't worried about his life. He lost his life years ago when he gave it to Jesus. His prayer wasn't for his release from prison but that the door of the gospel would be opened. Paul was always looking for a chance to share the gospel wherever he was. In the past, there were prison guards who had been converted. But can you imagine if you were another prisoner chained up beside the Apostle Paul? I reckon you'd hear a pretty good rendition of the gospel pretty much every hour until you made a convergent, made a commitment. And this, my friends, is how we should pray. And can I ask you to please pray 
for the ministry of Bush Disciples. Please pray every day that the Lord would open doors of opportunities of sharing the word. But what is this word that he's asking them to pray for, that, that he would be able to share? The word is to declare the mystery of Christ. Now, something I've always noticed about Paul is the way that he's really keen for us to know that preaching the gospel isn't about skilled salesmanship. It's not about stringing together clever arguments to convince people, and it's not about having fine oratory skills. The role of the preacher is to simply declare the mystery of Christ. Now, we talked about this back in chapter 1. The mystery that he's talking about, the mystery of Christ, it's not something that we have to try and figure out like a puzzle. It's God's plan of the ages that gets revealed, right? So it's like an unveiling of a mystery, and the mystery is revealed. And this mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery, that Christ would live in us, and because Christ is in us by his Holy Spirit, this is what reminds us that our hope of glory will be fulfilled. Because Christ is already living in us now, we know that we will be with him later. Being a preacher of the gospel actually isn't as difficult as many of us think. It's not about having clever and convincing words. It's about clarity. Now, I think most of you I know well enough to know that you can be pretty clear in what you know and what you've experienced. You don't have to go chasing round and round the mulberry bush to try and explain something. You can do it clearly. Um, you see, if I was a skilled and very good public speaker, I'm not, by the way, but if we had somebody in this congregation today who was searching for, for something else in their life and, and they're not, no, not yet a Christian. Um, if I was to present them with a heap of moving stories and pull at their heartstrings, maybe even give them some flash promises of you're gonna have such a better life if you give your heart to Jesus, the person who's seeking might be moved to a response, but what are they responding to? Paul asked these Colossians to, to pray that he would make it clear, that he would be able to clearly unveil the mystery to reveal Christ. Now, if a person responds to a clear revelation of Christ, this is something that only God does. And that's what it's about. And I reckon it's just marvellous. One doesn't have to be an academic to preach Christ. And the thing that I've noticed is that true conversions that lead to a lasting faithfulness generally have less to do with the high-powered speaker and more to do with a simple local Christian who's willing to share why he or she believes and why they are so sure of Christ that they would stake their life on him. If you can do that, 
if you can clearly explain to someone why you are so sure that Jesus is your saviour and so sure that you would never turn your back on him and that you would stake your life on him, that's the clarity that you've got to be able to get across to someone. And when somebody responds to this, this is something that God is doing. And God can do this work through every one of us. And so I'm going to ask that you would pray for me, that I can clearly articulate and declare the mystery of Christ so that the Holy Spirit can then take that seed and make faith grow in another person's life. So I'm asking you to pray that for me. But I'm also hoping that you will ask somebody else or multiple people in this church to pray for you to pray that you would be able to, to declare the mystery of Christ and to do it clearly so that by God, by the Holy Spirit, can take that seed and make faith grow in a person's life. See, it's not just the role of the preacher. All of us can do this. This is what it's about. Wouldn't it be amazing uh, if in this town and in this district, we individually and we together as a church were being the answer to this prayer, that in the power of the Holy Spirit, we would be declaring who Christ is and how we experience him living in us. That'd be pretty cool, eh? You reckon? But I need to warn you, the simple gospel is a message that will offend some. It was because of this message that Paul was preaching that he landed in prison. And many people will be offended by the simple gospel message. Now, that's where we're going to leave it for today. As I said at the beginning, um, this reading is more in it than what we're going to unpack in one day. So next week, we're going to learn about connecting with outsiders. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to give you thanks that, that we have so much to be thankful for. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that you loved the world so much that your son died on the cross to redeem us and to make us pure and holy. We thank you for the relationship that you call us to. We thank you that, that you have given us this wonderful thing called prayer. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, make us a people of prayer, that we would be busily engaged in prayer. Help us to be watchful as we pray, that we would notice what's going on in the world and pray about these things, and especially that we would notice where God is at work, that we would watch for answers to prayer and, and praise God in thanksgiving, and that we would be watchful for the return of Jesus such that our prayers will be focused on things of eternal value. Lord, we also pray for our church and for all the churches in this community. Open a door for the word. The churches would grasp this and, and that the Christians across this community would declare the mystery of Christ, not with fine and fancy words, but that we would be able to share our experience of Christ in us and our hope of glory and that we would be able to do it with clarity. 
Lord, we pray this, knowing that this indeed is a godly prayer. Amen.